good evening, and it's Friday night again, and that means it's time for another edition of The Racing Show. All the usual gang will be here, and also Simon Holt from The Sporting Life joins us this week. We'll have another equine superstar. Plus our usual gang of tipsters in the shape of Richard Phillips, Dave Wilson and Colin Brown. Add in the news and the fixtures and hopefully we've got it all. Well, good evening and welcome to another edition of The Racing Show. And let's waste no time at all and get straight over to join Mike Padden for all the racing news. Hello and a very warm welcome along to this week's edition of The Racing News. With all the news that is the news from the racing media, including Racing TV, The Racing Post and The Sporting Life. May I first wish you all a very happy new year and bring us our first story today. Assistant trainer Adrian Grain is, quote, making good progress and has regained some movement in his arms and a leg after the gallop's accident that nearly killed him last October. He has been buoyed by a visit from Spirit Tappergood, his favourite horse, to James Cook Hospital in Middlesbrough, where he has been since a horse fell on his head and crushed his throat, breaking four vertebrae in his neck. The freak accident at the Morton Yard he shares with long-term partner Mark Weatherer left those closest to him fearing he would not survive. But Grain, 69, was well enough to record a video message for New Year, albeit he was struggling for breath as he spoke, and he said, Everybody around me is telling me I am making good progress, although from where I am it doesn't necessarily feel as though I am. I'm managing to move my arms a bit now and my wrists. There's still a bit of a problem with my fingers, so unfortunately I have to rely on others to give me something to eat and drink. But nevertheless, we are getting along reasonably okay, and I've managed to move my right leg a little bit, and the doctors seem reasonably pleased with my progress. It does get a little bit wearing at times, but we keep going on. I do tell the physio people not to spare me because I desperately want to get as well as I possibly can so I can get out and see you all again. When it was clear he had suffered life-changing injuries, a GoFundMe page was set up to help with his future needs. It has raised more than £10,000 and Grain is grateful for the support. He said, I've got to say a big thank you to all the people who have made a financial contribution which I have found particularly overwhelming and I'm incredibly grateful. It's just so nice to be able to take a little sip out of the cup of human kindness. In situations like this, there are people that would be like rats deserting a sinking ship. And fortunately for Mark and I, that isn't the case because everybody seems to be doing completely the opposite. They are all rallying round and helping to keep the ship afloat. 
I tried to keep that in my mind's eye because I need to have something to focus on for when, in the fullness of time, I manage to get out of hospital as able-bodied as I possibly can. We wish you all the very best, Adrian. Next, here on the Racing News. Simon and Ed Crisford's sprinting flag bearer Flotus has been retired and is expected to be covered in Ireland when the breeding season starts. The daughter of Star Spangled Banner was placed in three Group 1s and finished a close sixth to Caravelle in the Grade 1 Breeders' Cup turf sprint at Keeneland in November. A €65,000 purchase as a foal, Flotus has proved a money spinner off the track as well as on it, as she changed hands for 1 million guineas when sold to current owner Katsumi Yoshida at the Tattersall's December Mare Sale in 2021 at the end of her two-year-old season. As a three-year-old, Flotus finished third to perfect power in the Group 1 Commonwealth Cup at Royal Ascot in June before landing the Group 3 Summer Stakes at York the following month. Flotus posted another placed effort at the highest level when third to Highfield Princess in the Flying Five at the Carrara before her curtain call at the Breeders' Cup. Simon Crisford said, Mr Yoshida has retired Flotus and I believe she's in Ireland where she has joined his breeding ranks. She was a star for us and hopefully her progeny will be so too. The Crisfords will once again run a satellite operation at this year's Dubai World Cup Carnival which starts on Friday. That will include the useful Algiers, last seen finishing second in the listed Churchill Stakes at Lingfield in November. Algiers is one of 23 entries in round one of the McToom Challenge at Maiden on Friday. The six-year-old won the Group 2 Jabel Ali Mile on the dirt last year before finishing eighth in the Group 1 Godolphin Mile on World Cup night. Chrisford said, Algiers was supposed to run in the listed Quebec states at Lingfield before Christmas before it was frosted off and he's heading out to Dubai with positive impact to join our operation for the carnival for 2023. And here's our final story for this week. ITV Racing's new Christmas festival was given a big thumbs up by bookmakers on Monday, having proved a festive hit with punters. From December 26 to New Year's Day, ITV broadcast more than 18 hours of racing coverage on either its main channel or sister station ITV4, including 41 races hosted by 12 courses from Britain and Ireland. December 30th was the only day over the week-long period, branded the ITV Racing Christmas Festival for the first time, when there was no free-to-air coverage of the sport. The reaction from punters could not have been more positive, according to Ladbrook's Coral PR director, Simon Clare. He said, The way ITV covered the Christmas period has been exceptional. The immediate benefit of ITV cameras on any horse race is to see a doubling to trebling of turnover. But a lot of stars aligned last week. The betting turnover from Boxing Day right the way through to Monday's bank holiday is probably the most important period to racing outside of the Cheltenham Festival. You had the perfect storm of all the racing being on and some brilliant coverage. Also, the bonus of having a period when racing was off just before Christmas is that it then fuels very competitive racing. The fields have been unbelievable. Claire added, 
Calling it the ITV Racing Christmas Festival gives ITV a narrative which it can talk about. If that sticks in the ITV consumer's mind, then they have to come back every day to watch ITV Racing. Then brilliant. They're thinking of ways to package it up and attract more viewers. To avoid the clash with the Boxing Day football fixtures, the King George at Kempton was brought forward to 2.30pm last week, another move Clare supported. He added, It was only a shift of half an hour or so, but it was a good move. The fact it was a competitive field with no odds on favourite, as well as being well-timed and with great coverage, meant it was a bumper betting race. We'll have to do some analysis of the whole period, but I'm sure it will be well up year on year and probably as good a period as we've had in recent years. It would be quite fun to try and plug that one-day gap in the future and have a magnificent seven days. ITV will broadcast around 120 days of racing in 2023, having grown from 95 days when taking over the terrestrial rights to British racing in 2017. And Claire thinks the channel's ongoing commitment to the sport is something racing should be proud of. We're very lucky to have such a proactive and passionate broadcaster, he said. Racing should be proud that ITV wants to cover more and more racing. It's a sign of confidence in the sport. Paul Binfield, spokesman for Paddy Power, shared Claire's enthusiasm for ITV's coverage and reported some positive results from the bookmakers trading floor over Christmas. He said, Year on year, both stakes and uniques, that's individual bets, were up through the week. It's not the easiest thing to compare, but overall the inaugural ITV Racing Christmas Festival seems to have been a great success. Ed Chamberlain and his team covered it brilliantly, and it was a fantastic shot window for the sport. A peak audience of 725,000 tuned in to ITV for the King George on December the 26th with an average audience of 485,000 and a 6.7% share of the Boxing Day viewerships watching the action from Kempton and Weatherby. While those headline figures were down on last year, where the audience peaked at 1.1 million, they were similar to the pre-COVID pandemic figures of 2019, when the peak audience was 781,000 and the average was 561,000. It was a similar story on December the 27th, when the average audience for ITV's coverage from Kempton and Chepstow was 363,000 compared to 496,000 in 2021 and 401,000 in 2019. But the channel's share of the audience was only narrowly down from the previous year and slightly up on 2019. With Saturday's Challow Hurdle Day at Newbury falling on New Year's Eve and the New Year's Day coverage from Cheltenham, Musselburgh and Tremor coming on a Sunday, the expanded ITV coverage had a very different composition to previous years. But a spokesman for the channel said the team were delighted with the positive reaction to the festival and to have broadcast to a huge number of people over the week. And finally here on the Racing News. They flocked to see him at Newcastle, more still arrived at Kempton to marvel at his abilities, and in 78 days there will be an even greater sense of anticipation awaiting Constitution Hill when he lines up on the first day of the Cheltenham Festival as the sport's undoubted superstar. 
Near enough, all in attendance at Kempton expected Constitution Hill to canter to victory. He was one to seven favourite for the Grade One Labrooks Christmas hurdle, but being present to witness his brilliance on display was enough to pack out the steppings around the parade ring and in the stands. It will likely be in the Unibet Champion Hurdle on March 14th that the public gets its next opportunity to see him in action. It could not have been any easier for him at a sunbathed Kempton. Indeed, Nicole de Bonville was adamant his partner had been, quote, dossing for most of the race, only waking up after making a small error at the penultimate hurdle. A shake of the reins and Constitution Hill was away and gone finishing 17 lengths clear of Epitante, who he had dismissed by 12 lengths at Newcastle. De Bonville said, He's an amazing racehorse, and you can just ride him any way you like. He had a metier on his girths the whole way around, and he was just cantering. I did think he was dossing turning in, and that's why he made a little mistake at the second last. He just needed waking up a bit. The whole race, I didn't think I was out of second, or at most third gear. Jesus Christ, Sophie Henderson, Nicky Henderson's wife said, as the pair excited the owner's viewing area, and headed down the steps to greet their extraordinary winner. As for the trainer, he displayed a potent mix of delight, relief and excitement as he reviewed the performance. He said, He doesn't disappoint anyone, does he? He's push-button and Nico knows where and when to push that button and off he goes. He's got such a good mind and that makes such a huge difference training a horse like that. Over the years we've been lucky to have some very nice horses. But the better they've got, and when you see them going off at prices like he did today for a grade one, you do get a little bit scared. Having applauded Constitution Hill out of the parade ring, the crowd cheered him back in. His unnatural level of talent resonating with those present as the five-year-old poster boy's status within racing only grows. They will have to wait to see him again, though, with Henderson having his sights set firmly on the champion hurdle, for which he remains the general 2-7 favourite. The Unibet champion hurdle trial at Haydock and the Jenningbet Kingwell hurdle were ruled out as options for Constitution Hill, while Henderson again lamented the loss of the contenders hurdle at Sandown in February. The Irish champion hurdle was not totally discarded, but it is a big outsider to feature in the star's hurdler's plans. Henderson said, My gut feeling was always that he'd go straight to Cheltenham as I'm not sure Haydock would do anything for him, and neither would the Kingwell. Most trainers would agree that having a, quote, away game as close to Cheltenham as the Irish champion hurdle is not the way you choose to prepare a horse for a race like the champion hurdle. Aintree is four weeks after Cheltenham, which is a plus, but then Hunchestown comes a bit too soon after that. It's a shame that it's a truncated season with only four runs, but that's what it's come down to. The champion hurdle is what this season is about. After that, who knows? This has been the Racing News, with all the news that is the news from the racing media, including Racing TV, the Racing Post and the Sporting Life. I'm Mike Padden. Join us again next time. And thanks for listening. Right, well, it's time now to find out where we can go racing this weekend.
Right, well, we'll start off up at Lingfield, where there are seven races on the flat uh, with a 12 o'clock start. Seven races over the jumps at Sandown with a 12.05 start. Seven races over the jumps at Newcastle with a 12.13 start. Uh, seven races at Wincanton over the jumps at a 12.20 start. Pop over to Ireland, seven races over the jumps at Cork with a 12.27 start. And back to Kempton, seven races on the flat on the all-weather with a 5.30 start and is also racing at Kshaja. And if we now switch to Sunday, and on Sunday we have got seven races on the flat at Southall on the all-weather with a 12.30 start. Seven races over the jumps at Chepstow with a 12.40 start. Seven races over the jumps at Nass with a 12.50 start and is also racing at Maidan and Sha Tin in Hong Kong. It's time for another Equine Superstar. And this week we're looking at Desert Orchid. Desi was born on the 11th of April 1979. His sire was Grey Mirage and his dam Flower Child. He was owned and bred by James Burridge, trained by David Ellsworth, and he had a time form rating of 187. Of his 70 runs, he won 34 times, and his big races included the Tingle Creek in 1988, the King George in 1986, 1988, 1989 and 1990. Also the Gold Cup in 89 and the Irish Natural in 1990. Desi was ridden by several jockeys, including our very own Colin Brown, Simon Sherwood and Richard Dunwoody. If ever a horse caught the imagination of the British racing public, it was Desert Orchid, who will never ever be forgotten as that striking grey bounded over the fences. And now we're going to go back and relive one of Desert Orchid's greatest moments. It was in 1989 when he won the Cheltenham Gold Cup. And to a great roar from the crowd, they raced to the first of the 22 fences. Bonanza Boy over on the far side, Desert Orchid in the centre of the fence, Charter Party and Slalom between horses. Cabbage Clown jumps it last and Desert Orchid has gone to the front as they race to the second. Desert Orchid from 10 plus towards the near side, Charter Party and Slalom and Yahoo and Bonanza Boy and behind them come Pegwell Bay and behind Pegwell is West Tip and then the Thinker, then Golden Freeze. Valley Hain, Carville's Hill and Cabby's Clown. Desert Orchid swings round this first turn in the lead from 10 plus and Charter Party with just behind them Slalom Bonanza Boy and Yahoo then Pegwell Boy on the far side is West Tip then the Thinker, Valley Hain, Golden Freeze, Carville's Hill over the third and Cabby's Clown. Uh, they race now down towards the water. Desert Orchid from Charter Party and 10 plus. Yahoo on the far side. Pegwell Bay on the near side. Slalom was between horses. 
all safely over the water and racing now to the first of the ditches with Desert Orchid on the inside of Charter Party as they jump it, 10 plus, right up with them. Another plain one before the second ditch. Desert Orchid at the sixth from Charter Party and 10 plus. Pegwell Bay and Yahoo. And it looks as though Golden Freeze has gone at that one. Golden Freeze has gone at that, 12 left. The next ditch, Desert Orchid lands from Charter Party and Pegwell Bay. And uh, Carville's Hill's gone there. The Hope of Ireland has gone at the second ditch. This is the eighth. Desert Orchid lands in the lead from Charter Party and Pegwell Bay. Ten plus on the outside. As they run downhill. Yahoo comes next. Then Slalom. Then Bonanza Boy. The two loose horses seem to be all right. Carville's Hill and Golden Freeze. Over the ninth. Desert Orchid lands in the lead from Charter Party and Pegwell Bay. Ten plus. Then on the outside, Yahoo. West Tips not far behind the lead. Nor's the Thinker. Bonanza Boy on the inside. This is the 10th. Desert Orchid lands in the lead. 10 plus Charter Party, Pegwell Bay, Yahoo. And the Thinker's gone at that one. The Thinker has gone. Horse and jockey up all right. So 10 left now in the 1989 Gold Cup. As they run down towards the fence, it'll be the second last on the next circuit. Number 11, this time of the 22 fences. And it's Desert Orchid. From 10 plus and Charter Party and Pegwell Bay and Yahoo and Slalom and Bonanza Boy. And behind them, Ballyhane, West Tip and Cavie's Clown getting closer to the front all the time. Desert Orchid on the far side in the center of the fence, 10 plus. On the near side, Cavie's Clown, then Yahoo, then Charter Party and Pegwell Bay. Mistake there by Bonanza Boy. Desert Orchid on the inside of Cavie's Clown. And 10 plus, these three almost matching strides. 10 plus taking a fractional advantage now. From Desert Orchid, Cavie's Clown on the inside. Charter Party, four, five, Yahoo, six, Salem. Seven and eight, a Pegwell Bay and West Tip. Nine is Bonanza Boy and 10, Ballyhane, as they run downhill now. With 10 left to jump, 10 plus, just in the lead now. From Desert Orchid on the inside. Over this one, Desert Orchid again on the inside of 10 plus as they run down to the water. Bonanza Boy going well up on the outside. Slalom is still well in contention. So is Yahoo. Desert Orchid on the inside, on the far side, 10 plus. Then Charter Party. Then Cavie's Clown, Slalom, Bonanza Boy, and Yahoo and Pegwell Bay. Mistake there by West Tip as they race towards the 16th now. 10 plus, Cavie's Clown, Desert Orchid, Yahoo. Now racing to the final ditch. Six from home and 10 plus has taken a three-length advantage from Desert Orchid. Charter Party, the former winner, is third. Yahoo is four. Cavie's Clown, five. Pegwell Bay, six. Beautiful jump by Desert Orchid. Takes him within a length of uh, 10 plus. In third, Charter Party. Slalom was a faller there. Yahoo is fourth. Ballyhane is back in fifth now, five from home, 10 plus landed in the lead, from Desert Orchid second, Charter Party third, Yahoo four, Ballyhane five, Cavie's Clown six, running downhill now, and it's four to jump now with 10 plus with a four length advantage over Desert Orchid, still in there fighting, Yahoo coming there, he loves the mud on the far side, Charter Party in fourth, 10 plus Desert Orchid, then Yahoo, then Charter Party, then Ballyhane. Racing down now towards the third last in the Gold Cup, and as they do so, it's 10 plus being pressed by Desert Orchid. Then Yahoo! Behind them comes Charter Party. This is the third last now. 
Desert Orchid and 10 plus has gone. He's left Desert Orchid in the lead. It's Desert Orchid now as they race to the home turn from Yahoo, chasing him all the time and trying to get up on the inside with Charter Party third. Desert Orchid and Yahoo now as they race round the home turn. There's very little between them. Yahoo on the far side. He's gone on now from Desert Orchid towards the near side. Yahoo from Desert Orchid and Desert Orchid looks as though he's tiring in the ground. Yahoo who loves the mud is full of running at the second last. Yahoo jumps from Desert Orchid but Desert Orchid is running. He's trying to come again towards the near side. It's Yahoo on the far side. Desert Orchid towards the near side. Desert Orchid's accelerating as they come to the last. Yahoo on the far side. Desert Orchid on the near side. It's Desert Orchid on the near side. Yahoo on the far side. Desert Orchid drifting over towards the stand side. He's beginning to get up. Desert Orchid is beginning to get up as they race towards the line. There's a tremendous cheer from the crowd as Desert Orchid is going to win it. Desert Orchid has won the Gold Cup. Yahoo is second. Third is Charapati. Simon Sherwood punches the air. Desi has done it. Desert Orchid's won it from Yahoo and Charapati. Join us again next week for another Equine Superstar. Well, who could forget good old Desi? What a wonderful horse. Now, for those of you who took my tip and joined the Coral Racing Club, there's a few little bits of information just to keep you uh, interested. First of all, keep an eye open for Heyday Baby. She's settling in well with John Joe O'Neill. And also up at John Joe O'Neill's Annie Mack had a good second at Doncaster last weekend. And Huntington could be her next outing. And then we pop down to Joe Tizard's and West End Boy is back in full work now and is going well. She should have a debut run before the end of the month, so that's one to look out for from Joe. And also keep an eye open for Sherborne. I think she's due to go at Chepstow this coming Sunday. And uh, again, one to watch. And Joe's very hopeful that she's going to do something on her first race. And if you're not a member of the Coral Racing Club, why not? Just check out their website. Okay, now we're going to switch on to some of our tipsters. And uh, the first on the scene this week, rather than the last, is Dave Wilson from Harlequin Racing. Well, good morning, Dave. How are you today? Yeah, very well. Uh, nice couple of winners last weekend. So uh, it helped the pocket along. And uh, our unit 64, who won nicely for us up at Warwick, he's uh, been hammer hammered by the handicap. He's given him a £12 hike in the handicap for that mm. win. So, uh, a bit astonished at that, really, but there you go. There you go. Well, that Hermes Alain won uh, well enough as well. Looked a good horse, didn't it? Yeah, he helped the bank balance. As I said, he was uh, get the mortgage job on him. It was uh, one of them. I heard rumours all the way out the Nichols Yard that he's a really, really good horse in the making, and uh, he had everything going in his favour. It was just if, if he handled the soft going or not. And, yeah. Uh, he had won his point to point out in Ireland on soft going, so I didn't, I didn't have any doubts about that. And uh, he, well, he looked like a real good horse in the yeah. making. So, uh, and not a bad price at the end of the day either, was it? No, well, we we said he was eleven to eight when he opened up, and we give it a hammering, and then on the morning of the race, we managed to get some more on at thirteen to eight with Bet Three Six Five, who duly uh, obliged us. So uh, yeah. that was very nice of him. It was. Uh, a little bit late for a Christmas present, but we thanked him enough anyway by uh, <laughs> withdrawing lots of money out of their accounts. Yes, that's <laughs> that was the, very, very well worth. That's yeah. the way to do it, mate. That's the way to do it. 
It is. So uh, we're going to have a look at the Sandown this week. Uh, four nice races there, which we've uh, picked out. And we're going to start off with the 1240 and a, a very local horse to all of us, uh, Love Envoy. Uh, Johnny Burt takes a ride for Harry Fry. Uh, obviously, Harry Fry's stables are uh, just outside of Howstock. Uh, for those of you that don't know, he moved over from Zebra uh, over to Howstock at the beginning of last year and uh, he's in a purpose built yard there, which is absolutely fantastic. If you get a chance on any of the stable tours or race days where you can go and visit a trainer I'd certainly suggest to people go and have a look at Harry Fry's set up there and uh, you, it won't take you long to work out why he's having winner after winner at the moment so uh, as I say we're, we're going with Love Envoire in the 1240 there and uh, the second favourite last time out got absolutely destroyed by a horse of mine, Miranda and I really don't think Miranda would even give Love Envoire a run for her money so uh I don't think that the second favourite's got a squeak in the race, and the tissue price at the moment is showing about 10 to 11 even money for Love Envoire, and I think that's a very, very nice bet to be making there. She goes extremely well on soft going, and the more rain that happens, it's uh, everything is just pointing in her favour. So, uh, leg one of our lucky 15 this week is Love Envoire in the 12.40. OK, fine. Moving down to the 115 race, a uh, horse we like here is certainly red. Mark Goldstein takes a ride for Mrs. Richards. Now, anyone that was at Wing Canton's uh, last meeting where we had the fog that was uh, restricting the viewing, as best I can put it, you couldn't actually see from the final fence to the winning line. And if anyone knows Wing Canton, you'll know how foggy it was then. And certainly Red come bolting past us with not a, another horse anywhere near him. I think the official winning distance was 14 lengths. Uh, the time before that, he was in a race and another horse jumped into him and knocked his jockey off him. So he, he, he was rather unfortunate in that. And the time before that, he won again. He beat a horse called You All Right Harry by about eight lengths, I think it was. So certainly Red's in tremendous form at the moment. And uh, Mark Goldstein gets on really well with him. He's only been put up £5 for that 14-length win as well. So uh, it's not a great amount of weight being uh, stuck on his back. Now, he had a fairly long hurdling career, certainly Red, and didn't make no great shakes in that sphere. Uh, but since he's been sent chasing in his last four or five runs, he's absolutely become a little superstar in my eyes. I think he's a fantastic little horse. Now, he's priced up at around about 4-1 to one in the paper, so he's going to be our second leg in the... Uh, the lucky 15 to follow on from Love Envoy. Okay, fine. I'll Moving try and keep up this time. <laughs> 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 Moving down to the 225 race, uh, and a horse here, but I don't understand its price, is called Lastro Boy. Adam Wedge takes a ride for Evan Williams. Now, this fella's had two races, he's won both of them. Now, the favourite for this race is a horse called Tamaris of uh, Noel Feely's and uh, Paul Nichols. Now, in a bumper race, Lastro Boy actually beat Tamaris, come from behind him and picked him up on the running, which was a, a very, very impressive piece of form. Now, the other thing to note is if you know Evan Williams and the way he trains his horses, for a, one of Evan Williams' horses to win a bumper, it has to be a little bit special to start with because he never has them too ready for a bumper run. Now, this fella come out again at Foss Lass and dotted up, really, about two or three weeks ago, and he won by about three and a half lengths, but he never come off the bridle. Now, I don't understand why Lastro Boy is 18 to 1, 20 to 1, when he's already beaten Tamaris, who's the favourite in the race. I know Tamaris has had a few more runs since, and he's got a bit more form, 
But a horse that's beat you can't surely be 18 to 1 when you're the favourite of a race and you've been beaten by it. So Lastro Boy is going to be the leg three of our uh, lucky 15 for us. And we'll, we'll have a little uh, each way bet on him as well, singly, because I think he's completely overpriced at that. So uh, leg three done there. OK, certainly sounds a bit bizarre, doesn't it? It does, yeah, very mm. strange, and I think the horse is very, very special as well. So, uh, yeah, if, yeah. You, if you are having a little bet, have a little each way bet on that fellow there. Uh, the last leg of the lucky 15 this week is the three o'clock race, and it's St. Xavier. Lily Pinchin takes a ride for Richard Hobson. Now, he had a run at Cheltenham earlier in the season over hurdles and finished about eight or nine lengths behind Magic Dancer, but he, he was never travelling in that race from the start of the race all the way through it. He just really looked like he was in need of the seasonal reappearance run. They then put him out of Haydock, and he absolutely bolted up. Now, the nine of form for the Haydock race is very interesting because a horse that finished third in that race is called Two Amigos, who's since come out and won the Welsh Grand National. And he was 11 lengths behind St Xavier, so... The form is very, very solid, and St. Xavier's priced up at around about 9-1 to one at the moment. So I'd uh, say it's well worth having an each-way bet on him as well, just to, just because of the form and uh, the Welsh national line, the form that comes in from third there. And obviously St. Xavier wasn't fully wound up on his first run of the season, so he may well still have needed that second run that he had at Haydock. And I think he'll step up again on it as well. And Lily Pinchin, the jockey, I think she's a fantastic jockey as well. So... Uh, St Xavier's the fourth leg in three o'clock there for us. So that's the four we've got for you for the weekend, mate. OK, Dave, that's a lovely job. Well, let's hope that uh, the injured jockeys fund are jumping up and down when they see the results. And, uh, yeah, keep going, mate. Keep going. No problem. OK, mate, and we'll speak to you next weekend. Lovely job. Thanks, Dave. See you soon. Well, now it's time to pop over to Gloucestershire and catch up with Richard Phillips with his assessment of what's coming up this weekend. And... He has a quick mention about the whip issue. Right, well, good evening, Richard. Uh, good of you to join us again on the show. A um, couple of things, really, today. Obviously, the big Sandown meeting on the weekend, but also the whip controversy, shall we call it that. Um, they've changed their mind again. What do you make of it? Well, yeah, um, the jockeys were complaining that uh, some jockeys, due to shoulder injuries, can't use the whip in a backhand position and a backhand position means when you hold a stick in your hand you basically um grasp it um but i'm not allowed to use it in what they call the forehand position therefore hold it the other um way of your hand so the horse is, you basically wave the whip in front of the horse rather than behind the horse yeah the idea that can position was it looked less unsightly in the fact that the jockeys would keep their stick down and would look more sort of um, lower in the saddle. Uh, Willie Carson was a great user of the backhand position of a stick. Yeah. And like, like most great jockeys, he didn't use the stick a lot uh, in motivating a horse, but it was there basically being waved. What the jockeys um, were complaining about was the fact that some have had shoulder injuries, were unable to use it in that position and were an unfair disadvantage. So the BHA have come together and discussed it with everyone, and they said, all right, you're allowed to use it in the forehand position, but uh, for less times than previously, uh, I think six on the flat, seven over jumps. Yeah. So, therefore, with any committee or whatever, there's going to be a fudge. 
but there is a general consensus that um, the the stick that is used in racing should um, be put it like this reduced uh, because the public on the whole do not like uh, the visual yeah. scene of it. There has to be research to say that horses, this is not a welfare issue, that horses do not feel anything, but others would just, just say, well, if that's the case, why use it? Um, interestingly, in the old days, uh, Sir Gordon Richards, great jockeys like him, said hardly ever used the stick and just waved it rather than, rather than actually made contact with the stick. So it is a huge subject and one that is incredibly controversial amongst all members of the racing fraternity but uh there has been a sort of a diplomatic way of trying to solve this problem so this will come into force in february that basically um the whip consultation which took a couple of years to come to an agreement um have had their basically what they decided changed slightly but it will come into effect that if these um, whip guidances are not adhered to jockeys will get a very large band right. and um, I, think, I think in general um, racing has woken up to the fact that the stick needs to be used less and uh, if at all and I think these um, proposals will eventually lead to that that the whip is going to be reduced in its use Well presumably if the jockey is going to get a, a lengthier band if they do you know, contravene the, the rules. Um, I mean, that that could be financially sort of quite quite damaging to a you know. I mean, a thirty day ban sort of thing. Um, that could be extremely expensive, couldn't it? It could be, but without well, funny. Um, so it should be because unless racing gets its house in order, um, I'm sure should the whip proposals be put in front of the House of Commons, um, it wouldn't take a lot for the whip to be taken away completely. So. Yeah, yeah. Jockeys wish this to be uh, an aid to their riding. They must use their common sense and their practical skills at using this. And I think most professional jockeys realise this, and I will be very surprised with the new guidelines, whether or not there will be big um, fines, because I think they are very aware of the fact, the responsibility they have hmm. uh, to, reduce, to reduce the use of this um, stick good well let's hope they uh, they see sense and uh you know it puts it puts an end to all the controversy all the time because it's always coming up isn't I, it I the whole issue it, i don't think, i don't think it will because <laughs> uh, there's plenty of people in racing who believe that the uh, the whip consultation would have come up should have come up with it so that they actually the whole uh, jockey should carry the stick without using it yeah and i think it's inevitable that will be the case one day yeah but um, others would say that if you made that decision, it's the beginning of the end and that horse racing will be banned, et cetera, et cetera. So th this is always going to be a controversial subject. But I think um, it is progress. To some, it's slow progress, but hopefully um, we'll be able to talk about the horses and their well-being rather than jockeys and overuse of the stick. OK, sir. Well, thank you for a very concise uh, uh piece on that because it's you know it is obviously big news um now sandown's the big meeting this weekend um what, what have you got for us at sandown well we've got the tollworth hurdle which is always a very interesting uh two mile novice hurdle where a lot of the best two mile novice hurdles of the season come together it's often been a trial for the Cheltenham festival 
Um, Lucia was meant to be going there, Nikki Henderson's unbeaten mare, but she uh, has had a scope, an endoscope that has shown a little bit of mucus in her trachea, so in her windpipe, mm. so she was taking part. So the new favourite is Tumorous, who is a horse trained by Paul Nichols for the Noel Feely Racing Club. It's a big day on Sunday for them, a Saturday for them, a yeah. stand down. They've also got Love Envoy, who won the Cheltenham Festival last season, uh, running in the Mayor's Listed Race. So Love Envoy and Tumorous run for the Noel Feely Racing Club, which is a, an excellent club. They do really well. They buy very uh, sensibly. And Noel Feely, one of the great jockeys, uh, easily one of the best horsemen that sat on a horse in the last 20 or 30 years. Yeah. Uh, retired out, is involved with this racing club, and has two really good horses in, in Love Envoy and Tumorous. And Tumorous is favourite for the Tollworth, uh, for Paul Nichols. Uh, he's up against uh, authorised speed of Gary Moores, who was uh, pretty impressive on the course and distance last time. He was second in a listed bumper at Ascot um, as a young horse. And uh, Arctic Brazil of um, Henry de Bromhead is coming over. He was an expensive purchase, having finished second in a decent point-to-point in Ireland. Uh, cost a fair bit of money, but I think one of Cork Maiden Hurdle is going to be ridden right by Rachel Blackmore. So this is going to be a, a tough test. The ground will be soft enough, I think, for all, but um, it'll be very interesting. But three horses highly rated. And of those three, what would you be putting your money on? Um, I think Tumorous was pretty uh, impressive last time out uh, mm. at and could well um, win this race. But... Um, Authorised speed is highly rated, and um, there's one over course and distance. And, and if I had to have a bet, I'd probably go authorised speed. Right, OK. So there's a couple of other big races up at Sandan. Um, what can you give us for those? Well, Love Envoy, as I say, is favourite for the Mayor's Hurdle, the two-and-a-half-mile listed hurdle. She's been a great uh, flag bearer for, as I said, the Nathalie Racing Club, and uh, is favourite for this race here. There aren't many declarations so love envoy is a sort of be an odds on shot near enough for this race but she's pretty good ma'am has been stepping up again this season so love envoy looks like being a, a serious contender there and of course they've got the veterans final over three miles veterans chases have been very popular um unlike some horse on the flat uh, the jump horses stay around for a few seasons and the public get to know them and love them and Ramsey Detay of David Pipes is the favourite. And there's also Snow Leopardess, who's trained locally here by Charlie, Charlie Longston. Um, he, she's a grey mare. She's won over the Grand National fences. She's one of the favourites of Grand National last season. Um, apparently, she's in good form. So Snow Leopardess runs in that one. But that's the three-mile veterans um, final. And Ramsey Detay, I think, will take a bit of beating of the David Pipe champ. Good. Thank you very much indeed, Richard. That's great. Um, I'll give everybody a, a good insight to it. And um, yeah. And what about yourself? How's how's life at uh, your stables? Have you had any uh, winners and runners lately? Well, we've had a, a few flat on the few over the jumps recently, but um, we've got quite a few young horses this year. So um, a few of those will be coming out in the spring. But um, hopefully, we've got a, a few runners coming up. But the ground suits some but not all and and we've had a fair bit of rain so yeah. some will go on it so, so um we've probably got a few young horses that will probably want spring ground rather than the heavy ground we've got at the moment well we should be looking for uh, straight from the horse's mouth when it comes to it then won't we you'll be the first to know yeah, no, <laughs> well done that's brilliant okay richard well thanks very much for that and uh, we'll catch up with you next week yeah
Will do. Thanks, well, Adrian. No problem. Thanks a lot, Richard. Bye for now. Well, that was Richard Phillips with his uh, weekly assessment of the racing weekend that's upcoming. And now we've going to pop over to... Well, actually, we're going to pop over to the M48, I think it is, uh, on his way back from Foslas and catch up with Jamie Snowden. Afternoon, Jamie. Uh, a good start to the new year. Um, how's it been? Hi, good afternoon, Eddie. Yeah, really, really lovely start to the new year. Um, two, two winners on, on New Year's Day. Um, always, always good they're off. Um, and I said with a, with a bump up today. And obviously, lovely to end last year with a couple of decent runs in, in the Grade 1, the Challow Hurdle on uh, Newbury on Saturday, where you wear it well was second and passing well was fourth. So, no, the team are in good form. Good, good. And uh, on Saturday, you've got a runner. At... Yeah, just, just just coming back from Foss last year. Yeah. I was third under a penalty, so ran well. So on Saturday, then, we've got Kilturley Briggs at Wincanton, and we've got Colonel Harry at Sandown, and also Hardy DeSole at Sandown. So um, let's talk about those three in particular. Uh, what what chances do you think? Yeah, so Colonel Harry runs in, in the Grade 1, um, the, the Tollworth. He, he's a lovely youngster. Um, he won very very nicely, of course, distance at Sandown in November. This is a, this has been the plan since that day, really. Um, he, he's blossoming into a really lovely horse. Obviously, he, he needs to improve stepping into a, into Grade One company. It's going to be a good race, but um, he's a nice young horse, so um, he should run a run a nice race. Um, Hardy Desoy, he's coming back from a bit of an injury, but um, he he was a very decent novice chaser last year. He runs in a, in a handicap hurdle at, um, at, at Sandown on Saturday as well. Um, talented individual, uh, but he it, it, it just needs things to sort of fall right for him. I should imagine we'll be back over fences soon. And he's, um, he's fresh and well and in good form with himself, so he should run a nice race. And then Villainess runs at Newcastle on Saturday as well. She was second from Ockham. I think she's improved the back of that. Um, this, this looks the right race to go for, so hopefully she'll have a chance up there too. Um, what about your thoughts now on the, on the, the whip decision? I see they've, they've reversed it now. Um, are you are you in favour of it? Are you going along with it? I mean, how do you see it? It seems to be a lot of uncertainty all the time. You know, one minute one way, yeah, one minute you're, the other. Yeah, you're, 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 you're right, Eddie. There is a lot of uncertainty. Um, ultimately, the, jockey, the jockeys are the ones that are using, using the, 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 the pro-crush stick. And um, I, unfortunately, they, they, they didn't really consult too many of the jockeys when they when they came about their, their sort of decision-making. Um, when the decision did come come out, the jockeys obviously were, were slightly appalled at, at the decisions that the, the committee had made and, and suggested they changed it, of which the BHK then went back and, and changed it to, to, to what the jockeys suggested. Mm. Um, it, it, unfortunately, it was they should have consulted the jockeys more in the, in the first place. So it was a, a, a slight error on their on their behalf. But um, yeah, at the end at the end of the day, we've we, we've got to be honest about it. And, and the pro crush is is a is a is a is there for encouragement and and, and reminding horses. Um, and you know, it's not cruel in the slightest. You know, um, so it's all a matter of of, of opinion. And and um, and we've got to we've got to persuade the the, the people that think it's cruel. But actually, it's not. It's a, mm. it's like a, it's like like a feather duster that's <laughs> that's used to encourage the horse. You know, um, yeah. I, it, you're papering around cracks, really, aren't we? We've just got to got to let people know that it's it's a, a, a cushioned a cushioned stick that um, that is there to, to help encourage the horse to go forward. Do you, do you think this is the end of it now for for a while, or will it raise its ugly head quickly again? Do you think? I, unfortunately, there are lots of de-gooders in this world that 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 will. Will, will force the issue to be, mm. to be raised again. 
Yeah. Um, that, that's the nature of the world already. Yeah, yeah, quite. And, and just going back to your runners, I just sort of got a, a little tingle from the way you were talking about Colonel Harry. I mean, it strikes me that you, you think he's got a bit of a chance on the quiet, don't you? He's a lovely horse running in a very competitive race. Um, there are lots of other very nice horses running in that race too. So, you know, I can't, I can't control... Um, any, anyone else's horses and, and, and what have you, but um, all I know is that he's in he's in great order and he goes there um, to run a and hopefully runs a really big race. Um, whether it's good enough to, to go and win it, who knows? But um, we ran you wear it well. He was second in in a Grade One last weekend, and she was 16 to one. And passing well was fourth in a Grade One. And he was 33 to one. And and um, Colonel Harry's, you know, he's in that kind of mould. So. Mm. He'll be a big price, but um, he he should run a, a big race. Well, best of luck on Saturday anyway, then, Jamie. I hope he uh, I hope he keeps up the momentum, which is clearly there still. That's very kind. Thanks, Eddie. Okay, and we'll speak to you next week, Jamie. Okay. Look forward to it. Lovely Take job. care. Thanks a lot. Cheers, Have Eddie. a good trip Bye-bye. home. Bye bye. Now it's time to catch up with the sporting life. Simon. Well, good morning, Simon. Uh, good of you to join us again on the show. Um, big weekend at Sandown this coming weekend. What have you got for us? Well, it's the uh, Grade 1 Unibet Tolworth Novices Hurdle, which has been won by some pretty good hurdlers over the years, uh, not least by uh, Constitution Hill 12 months ago. It looks uh, quite a competitive renewal. I mean, it's impossible to believe that there's another Constitution Hill in the race, (laughs) but um, it's not a bad race. There's uh, a few horses that are quite tightly uh, matched on form, and... I think there's one that's been a little bit overlooked in the betting, and that is Ollie Murphy's runner, You Can Tango, who is only rated uh, three or four pounds behind um, the uh, Paul Nichols train, Tamuras. It's actually five pounds below, and I reckon that he could actually be rated a bit higher than that. And uh, I thought he ran pretty well at Cheltenham last time out, and he'd won his three previous starts. And the thing about him is that he's been running on good, good to soft ground, if you watch him move, he's got a really high knee action, both his front legs, and it's hard to believe that he won't be suited by the likely testing ground at Sandown on Saturday. So taking a chance, very big price, um, you can tango for Ollie Murphy. He seems to have his horses in pretty good form. Good. Well, that's, a, that's a, an unexpected one. I didn't expect you to come up with him, I must admit. So, uh, yeah, well, we'll keep an eye on that one then. Uh, no, I could do the book. Because <laughs> he's about... 40 to 1, I think. Is so he? I just think it's, a, yeah. I think it's too big. I mean, you know, even even taking a look at ratings only and without looking at the way he runs and the form, you know, he's, he's very overpriced for me. Yeah. Well, at 40 to 1, I mean, each way, that's what's that? That's going to be a fifth of the odds, 5, eight, eight to 1, isn't it, on, on, on a place? Well, yeah, there, there are eight runners. Um, you hope one doesn't come out if you have a bet each way, obviously, because... Uh, uh, you need eight runners to get the paper on the first three each way. Yeah, yeah. No, well, that, that sounds good. That sounds good. So, uh, but it's not just the toll. There's, there's a couple of other good races up there on Saturday. Well, we've got the very popular Unibet Veterans Handicap Chase, which has attracted a, a field of 18. So right. it's going to be a really open contest. But uh, uh, the one that catches, catches my eye is the Grey Mare Snow Leopardess who finished eighth in the feature chase at Aintree on what was effectively her seasonal reappearance. And that was a race that she had won last season. If you remember, after winning the feature and then winning at Exeter, she was very strongly fancied for the Grand National. But for whatever reason, she never fired on on National Day and she was pulled up before they'd even got 
before they'd even completed the first circuit. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know what went wrong yeah. there, but but she looked right back on Son at Aintree in the beach at this time and jumped immaculately, got to the second last, and then just began to feel it, and she was just tiring, you know, and uh, yeah. she ran like she just needed the run. Well, compared to the beacher running against fellow 11, 12, 13-year-olds, I think, you know, this is probably not quite so competitive. And uh, I think that if if she can get out towards the front, and I think, I think that might be important in this big field to be handy, and if she jumps well, well, she could just be um, slightly better class than the others. Yeah. Anything else we should be keeping our eye on? Um, there's quite a good two-mile handicap chase. And uh, it features the last day one at Aintree um, back in the spring. Frero Bambu for Venetia Williams. But uh, Grey Diamond looks pretty well handicapped. He was third behind Amarillo Sky. That's a nice horse of Joe Tizard's. And Fugitive yeah. um, at Cheltenham on his reappearance. And that form has really been boosted because they've both won since Amarillo Sky and Fugitive both having gone up uh, plenty in the weights now. And Grey Diamond didn't go up much for finishing about three lengths off them in third. So he's pretty well handicapped. He's a course and distance winner. Just a slight concern that occasionally on soft ground, he can look a little bit of a short runner. And I think Sam Twiston Davis will just have to hold on to him. But uh, he's got a very strong chance um, on form going into that race. No. You obviously have noticed in the press that the uh, BHA have changed their minds now again on the whip rule. What are, what are your thoughts on it now that it's changed back to it's okay again to use the forehand? Well, the sport has been tying itself up in knots over the whip for, for a long time and actually ending up giving the whip issue more publicity, which it probably doesn't um, isn't very good for the sport. Hmm. Um, so they, they had this big consultation. They came up with this idea that they were going to uh, ban jockeys from using the whip in the forehand position, which is the most natural way to carry the whip. Yeah. And without really thinking of the unintended consequences, and the unintended intended consequences are that some jockeys, particularly those that have had shoulder injuries, find it very hard using the whip in the backhand position and actually reaching the place where they should be hitting the horse to encourage the horse to produce his best. In yeah. other words, they can't reach, and they may end up hitting the horse down the flanks, which is not the best place to hit the horse. Mm. So that was a complete um, mess, um, even though there were a couple of jockeys, I think, on the consultation committee. Uh, the, the jockeys have thought about it, and um, both flat and jumps, and have realised that this was a big ask and a, and a big change to their usual styles and was going to be very difficult to put into place. Not only that, but they risk a lot, risked a lot of suspensions for misuse and, and overuse of the whip. So um, anyway, so the BHA have performed this U-turn, somewhat humiliatingly, I think, and they are now going to be able to use the whip in the forehand, but maybe a little bit spitefully, uh, spitefully, the, the BHA have knocked one stroke off both flat and jumps. I think it's now six on the flat, seven over jumps is the maximum. And beyond that, they can get um, fined. And if they go four over the limit, then they could be disqualified, or at least the horse could be disqualified um, at uh, 
at a subsequent date, but not on the day. That's another area where the BHA have been forced to backtrack. They, they put in this this rule that uh, horses, uh, where the jockey has overused the whip and broken the whip rules, that they could be disqualified. And one assumed that it was going to happen on the day. Yeah. But I think the backlash from punters in such a situation, particularly if the horse concerned had won easily, or the uh, embarrassment for the sport, if it concerned maybe a derby winner, a great national winner that won very easily, well, uh, they've had to backtrack and they, they, they will only disqualify now later so that punters will still get paid out on the winner on the day. So it's all been a little bit of a mess. Uh, I know the whip is a, a polarising subject. Uh, I can assure anybody listening that um, perhaps is new to racing that it is really not a welfare issue with the, the whips uh, as they are today. They're very, uh, very uh, soft whips. And it is really more of a cosmetic issue and, a, and a, a, an issue of perception yeah. rather than uh, one, one of cruelty. But mm-hmm. I do believe, though, there should be limits because nobody really likes it, cosmetically or not, yeah. to see a jockey hitting no. a horse repeatedly. And, and I think, to be honest, that, you know, after two or three strikes, yeah. uh, particularly with a, with a horse over jumps, um, that if they don't go for those strikes, then you know, they're not going to go for a fourth or fifth strike, probably, you know, but I'm not a jockey. The jockeys know much better than me about that, but they do seem to have accepted the new rules now. It seems significant that uh, the the about turn has occurred following um, Nico de Bourville and Harry Skelton going on ITV and talking about it. Well, yes, and I think Ryan Moore, you know, who, of course, is deeply respected, has been working away as well Uh, at the age and, um, you know, if the BHA uh, don't listen to Ryan Moore, well, they're, yeah. they're just being... They're foolish, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. Very yeah. foolish. Yeah. There's no better jockey in the world than Ryan Moore, and um, and uh, he wouldn't be making a fuss if he didn't feel strongly about it. So mm. so this is... Um, I think, you know, it's good that they've they've turned turned it around, that they haven't been too stubborn about it, but it is a bit humiliating that... Uh, regulator can't come up with the right decision in the first place but anyway hopefully this is a good way going forward now and um, hopefully uh, the whip issue will just be a little bit less high profile in in the remainder of this season into the flat season we don't really need too much talk about it as i say most people in racing accept that um, it's necessary Uh, we want to see the horses produce their best it's not a welfare issue the horses are not being abused in doing so. They're just being asked to produce their best on that one on that one day which they've been trained to do and which is absolutely natural for them to do. So uh, let's hope that um, uh, the sport can just move on and uh, and get and move on from this particular issue once again. It just it just raises its head, doesn't it? Every every few years, yeah. talking about the whip again, and I realise that. In this, in these days of modern sensitivities, it probably is a, a, a an issue for some people. But um, unfortunately, you know, you have to you have to accept that um, it's necessary, yeah. and you also have to accept if you're going to get into racing that that there, there are occasionally a few very sad fatalities in the sport. And yeah. you know, if people don't like the whip, well, they're not going to like it if a horse sadly gets injured at the races. No, no, absolutely. Okay, then, Simon, well, thank you very much for that. Um, a very concise and uh, expert view of it, which helps us a lot. So, um, yeah, a big weekend at Sandown. 
we'll all look forward to that. And thank you very much for joining us again. OK, AD, all the best. Lovely, John. Thanks, Simon. Bye for now. Well, bringing up the rear, of course, as always. It's our friend, Mr. Colin Brown, over there. And well, good morning, Colin. Um, what's this? You say it's snowing over there. Any moose about? <laughs> no, I haven't seen any moose, actually. Seen a few moose tracks, but as I look out the window now to over, over the sort of towards the uh, few trees and then down over a lake, you can, well, you can't even see the lake. It's an absolute blizzard. Is it? Um, snow falling, yeah. I oh. just brushed the snow off my car thinking I might pop out in a bit, but no, we've had a couple of three inches in the last hour or so, so yeah, it's completely white and uh, it's nice and warm where I am, that's the main thing. Good, okay. So, what have we got for this week then? Well, we've got, um, it's lacking in a bit of, um, you know, really good racing. I think it's just the time of the year, you know, 6th of January, 7th of January, whatever it might be, 7th. Um, but we've got uh, a couple more weather meetings, Kempton and Lingfield, and then we've got some jumping up at Newcastle, which is always a good place to be. And then we've got some Sandown and Wincanton. I mean, what's the weather like with you? Is, are both those meetings going to go ahead? I would have thought so, yeah. I can't see there's any likelihood of any problems at all at the moment. Oh, that's right. I yeah. would say then you'll be away and gone. Well, I've got a winner for um, the listeners um, at... Uh, Newcastle. Yeah. It's called Artiste Danay. Artiste Danay. And it's trained by uh, Crawford up the north. Um, where is he? In Ar he's in Ireland, actually. Stuart Crawford. Um, and it's run very well in Ireland. A couple of point to points, and then it was third in a good hurdle race a while ago. Was beaten 20 odd lengths, but. Um, I would say it'd be good enough to win today. So that is called number two in the 233 at Newcastle. It's called Artist Danay. So that's the one I fancy there. Uh, right, on, I've got another winner for you, and it's called Henry's Friend. And it's trained by Ben Pauling, and it runs in the 308 at Newcastle. It was second to Henry II last time out, and it's called Henry's Friend. I mean, I hope a lot of people suck that into a forecast because, you know, it's uh, it's good to get um, names like that come up. And if they had done that on the day, um, it would have paid them £15.50. So Henry's Friend to win the uh, the race at Newcastle. Okay. And that's at 3.08. Trained by Ben Pauling is also in really, really uh, good form. He's still Change his training grounds, and he's got a guy that goes around a golf course or something. As long as I don't get hit with a ball, I suppose it'll be okay. Yeah, I'm uh, sure he's popping up if he goes across the greens. Absolutely. Yeah, and no, I think it's been good fun. Mm. It's a great place. I see Harry Redknapp had a runner from the yard the other day. He has a couple of horses with him, doesn't he? So, uh, yeah, he's got some good owners, Ben Paul, good little trainer. Um, right, let's move to Sandown. Sandown, um, so right. Racing at Sandown. Do you know what I can't ever make out, though? Really good racing at Sandown. Really, you know, it's a great track. Best track in the world, Sandown. One of the best tracks in the world. But just sometimes doesn't attract as many runners mm. as you would expect. I just don't know why. No. I just don't know why. I, I, I don't know. Anyhow, uh, it's quite a good race, the first race. It's a juvenile hurdle. This is for four-year-olds because every horse 
on the first it should happen to humans really every horse on the first of january uh, it, you know they all t if they were three then they're four if they were four then they're five yeah so it's their birthday if you like um anyhow what wins that well gary moore has won it before and he runs a very nice uh zarak gelding called Bo zenith and um it won its only start for david cotton at um otoy in april and i would say this would take a lot of beating um so Bo zenith to win the uh first race at sandown park okay the second horse in the race was sold to willie mullins and that came out and won the other day in december at um, at Cork, so I always look for horses. You know, I always say to your listeners, when you look at the former horses race, always look for horses that have been second or third or fifth or sixth in the race um, if they come out and win. Right, next race up there at Sandown's at twelve forty. That will go to Love Enoir, trained by Harry Fry. Won there the other day. It was by Noel Feely Syndicate, and it's a Cheltenham winner. I think that will win the second race at Sandown Park. Love Envoir. Uh, looks a pretty smart animal. Um, right. Don't like the handicap chase so much at 115.80 as we move on to the uh, handicap chase over two miles. Looks a quite competitive race, this one. Uh, at uh, 150 there at uh, Sandown Park. And uh, we've, again, only got seven runners. So for each way betting, just the first two home. But there's a horse that could run a big race here called Furo Banboo. It was fourth to um, Boot Hill, who I think is a really good horse of Harry Fry's at Ascot last time. Before that, the second Ascot time white. Um, it's about time to put his head in front again. Uh, his rate is 140. It's come down a couple of pounds. And I think it will win. Ferro, Frero, Bamboo, round about 72 in the 150 at Sandown Park. Okay. That's the one I fancy. And, of course, we've got the Tollworth Hurdle now. It's a grade one race at Sandown, a race that I won many years ago on Desert Orchid. Um, and it's, uh, well, always a good event. Some decent horses in the race. And uh, Nichols, who's been banging in a few winners, has got a horse called Tamoris in the race. It was a winner last time out at Haydock and the time before at Haydock, before that one at Lincoln. It's obviously got some decent form. But there is one in the race of um, Gary Morden, I know they like a lot, that was a winner at Sandown in December and at Lingfield the time before. Got some good form, was fifth to Fasal Vega in the, um, in, in the bumper at Cheltenham last year as well. So it's called Authorised Speed. I think Authorised Speed could be the one that uh, Tamoris has to be. On the ratings, Tamoris is a couple of pounds that higher rated, but I think Authorised Speed is the one. I think Gary Moore really fancies that one at Sandown Park. And that's your lot, listeners, at Sandown Park. But we will just creep to Wincanton for a little look. And talking about Wincanton, that's very near where the lovely Mary lives. Yeah. Um, should we down, down? Yeah, yeah. Should we down there? I expect with her, uh, with her uh, gin and tonic, watching the racing on Saturday. Yeah. Probably have a 
half burnt out fag in the ashtray or something like that, you know, just enjoying herself. Ignore him, Mary. Him, Ignore him. He's, he's, he's yeah. being rude. Ignore him. <laughs> She'll love me. No one, everyone knows that. <laughs> I used to smoke, of course, did you? No. Oh, you're such a good boy. Oh, yeah. Anyhow, oh, yeah. Virgin Bet. I wonder if Mary's got an account of Virgin Bet because they they sponsor all the races down there at Wincanton. Have you got a, a, a account with Virgin Bet? No, I haven't. I've only got an account with one, and it's not Virgin. Have you really? Mm. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. I just wonder. Because, haven't you, because you're so shrewd, haven't you been closed down a lot of your accounts? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I've never been closed that's down. <laughs> oh, that's unusual. Because people that are successful, the bookmakers then close them down. Um, yeah. yeah, so there we go. Anyhow, good old racing down here at Wincant. And quite a few runners, really. And as you say, hopefully um, the ground will be okay. And we'll get to see some decent racing there. Right, what wins down here? Hmm. There's quite an interesting runner from the John Joe O'Neill, no, yeah, John Joe O'Neill stable. What uh, race? Called Mont, Mont Martin in the 12.55. Mont Martin in the 12.55. Cost 75 grand is it, uh, w w when they bought it. And it's nicely bred and owned by a man who loves to have winners. Um, at Wincanton, so that's what I quite fancy. Monument in the in in the um, twelve fifty five. Okay. On to the one thirty down there at Wincanton. Again, a really really good race, um, competitive race if you like. Um, one second, I'm just waiting to get up my selection. I don't know what's not clicking on it. Yep, it's um, it's also. Was a winner at Warwick a while ago. It's called Salibra Dalan, and it's uh, trained by Hobbsy. Philip Hobbsy's also in good form, and I can see this one running a massive race today. Salibra Dalen in the 1:30 at Wincanton. Right, let's see if we can just finish up on a nice note, i.e., a nice little winner here at Wincanton. My internet's very slowed. I think it's something to do with the blinking blizzard as I try to um, try to move over to the, the next race. Um, oh, yeah, no, I've done it now. Um, right, so, so the last race on the card, I was hoping this horse was going to be a better price, but it's called Chianti Classico, and it's trained by Kim Bailey. It won last time out uh, and the time before. I think it will win, but... I'm not sure what sort of price it'll be. But one for your doubles and trebles. Chianti Classica. I expect your listeners have drunk plenty of that over Christmas, including yourself. And what race is this in? This is in the final race at Wincanton, the 3.15. No, well, the, three th the last race at Wincanton is a 3.50, so that's why I can't find it, probably. Okay. I'm sorry, I, I, I pulled up on the sixth race. So, yeah, no, 3.15, the sixth race at Wincanton, and it's called... Chianti Classico. Right. Okay. Easy as that, listeners. And, and Happy New Year again if you weren't listening last week. And some great racing to look forward to um, going forward. Yeah. Um, you know, we've got Cheltenham at the end of the month. More trials for the, for the big ones at Cheltenham. Yeah, it won't be long now, will it, Cheltenham? That's for sure. So, uh, well, look, yeah, thanks, thanks for all that, Colin. Um, 
and we'll no catch problem. up with you next week. And in the meantime, you go out and play snowballs, okay? I'll go play snowballs. I'm building snowmen. They're rather rude. They, they built something rather rude on a roundabout in a town near here where they had to get the council to come out and knock it down. So, um, <laughs> I won't tell you what it was. But mm, I can it was, imagine. It did have a couple... It did have a couple of balls with it. But, mm. um, there we go. <laughs> there we go. There's, what footballs were they? Road on the street. Yeah, yeah footballs. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyhow. Okay, mate. You Thanks. take care and uh, God bless you. Go. Thanks a lot. Cheers for now. Well, that's it for another edition of the Racing Show. Join us again, same time, same station, next week. Until then, this is ADR. <laughs>